Okay, remember this. It's science until the science interferes with the science that proves that one greater victim group is oppressing another lesser victim group, especially if the greater victim group is of another oppressed group and the lesser victim group is white. Got it? Well, you wouldn't be alone. There are a couple of attorneys in Connecticut that just don't get it either. We may be able to watch some live sports on television soon, but of course, money is getting in the way. And what is the media going to do when Trump is gone? Seriously. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, yep. Yeah, yeah, I promised I'd do it, and I'm going to do it. Second day in a row releasing a podcast. This one is substantially shorter. It was actually enjoyable. I think I am going to like this. So let's not baloney anymore and get right to it. Uh, so you may remember this story. Um, this was, There were two high school boys named Andrea Yearwood and Terry Miller in Connecticut who were running track. They ran the, I believe it was the 100 and 200 meters. These were transgender girls, which means they were boys who decided to be girls. Now let's make something really clear here. They're not really transgender girls. They're more transvestites. They still have their junk. They still are fully boys. Maybe they're taking uh, hormone suppressants. I'm not really sure what qualifies them as transgenders, but the reality is they still have their male stuff. So these guys would go running against the girls' teams, and they would beat the garbage out of them, uh, usually finishing one and two. Uh, eventually, actually, believe it or not, they were, they finally did lose in the state championships. Both of them lost. And that's not a real huge shock. Just because you're a man doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be faster. For example, I will never beat Ronda Rousey in a fight, even though I'm bigger than she is, probably stronger than she is. She's better than I am in fighting. I'm not stupid enough to believe that. So, yeah, these guys finally met their match. But here's the thing. These guys were nothing but fair to middling in the high school boys team. So they moved to the high school girls team. So three girls from the high schools in Connecticut have decided to take it to court and say that these guys should not be, and I'm going to call them guys. I'm not going to be polite here because I think this is just wrong, that these guys should not be competing with the girls. So the girls who are actually filing the lawsuit are Selena Soul, Alana Smith, and Chelsea Mil Mil Mitchell, all real girls, and they are basically had had enough. Now, these were the girls that actually lost. I think one of them, Alana Smith, I want to say it was, she missed qualifying for the next division in the uh, state championships because these two boys finished before her. But here in the absolute, as they're in court, the absolute insanity came from District Judge Robert Chatney, who said upon the acceptance of this case, and I quote, 
What I am saying is you must refer to them as transgender, and he's talking about the two boys, as transgender females rather than males. Again, that's the more accurate terminology, and I think it fully protects the client's, your client's legitimate interests. Referring to these individuals as transgender females is consistent with science, common practice, and perhaps human decency. I'm going to really hit that one. That Yeah, okay, no. To refer to them as males, period, is not accurate. Certainly not as accurate, and I think it's needlessly provocative. Wow. I don't think that you surrender any legitimate interest or position if you refer to them as transgender females. That is what the case is about. This isn't a case involving males who have decided that they want to run in girls' events. Actually, that's exactly what it is. Sorry, that is exactly what it is. I, sorry, I wasn't going to butt in, but I did anyway. I continue. This is a case about girls who say that transgender girls should not be allowed to run in girls' events. No, this is about boys who should not be running in girls' events. So going forward, we will not refer to the proposed, the proposed in, introvert venters as males. Is that understood? The lawyers for the three girls are now saying that obviously this judge is showing his leftist mentality. Obviously... There is no point to go on with this judge, that this judge has, quote, destroyed the appearance of impartiality in the preceding. And that is exactly the fact. And it's absolutely insane that this man spent six years in college, another 10 years doing practicing law, and then ended up on a judge seat, judgeship. Absolutely insane, because you can be stupid and be a judge. Um, here's the problem. How can the plaintiffs actually sit back and argue? They are arguing that these are boys and they don't belong in a girl's sport. That's what they are arguing. And they are boys. Do you know why? They have male genitalia because they have an X and Y chromosome because they look like they're built with like Mack trucks. These look like guys. There's no question. One of them had facial hair on one of his pictures. How can they win a claim if they can't refer to these people as males? Because that's exactly what they're doing. Genetically, they are males. To sit back and say you must call them as transgender females is basically making the plaintiffs admit that these are females. Well, they're not females. They're males. And we need to call it what it is. It also shows what's, what is science? What science is this judge talking about? He says it's accurate according to science. What science is he pointing to? Are we so stupid that we can't see that the science says their DNA does not change? They can mutilate their genitals as much as they want. Their DNA, the XY chromosome, represents male, and the XX chromosome represents female. We've discussed this a billion times. I've just never thought a judge would be so partial, would be so just. I would not even, even if I believed in this, I would never admit it. It's insane. 
so this is all crazy. Um, what and by the way, common decency has to do with what here? Common decency? This has nothing to do with common decency. In other words, political correctness is what this has to do with. I do not think it is common. It's common. It's decent for a man to dress up as a woman and act like a woman. I do not think that's decent. That may be common decency as far as this judge is concerned, but I would bet you probably 50 to 60% of the country. Listen, you can be transgender. I've said this a billion times. If that's, if that's your thing, that's your thing. That's fine. But don't make me accept it. So to sit there and say, well, common decency says that this is normal. This is not common decency. I do not think it is decent that someone acts like this. I think it is insane. I think they've got mental problems. I think they have some serious issues. I don't think it has anything to do with decency. The decent thing to do would have these people checked out, just like you'd, che you'd have a, a mental health a provider check out someone who has schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, or any other of the things that are natural but undesirable. I do not see being transgender as something that is a desirable trait. And nature doesn't see it as a desirable trait either. Do you know why I know that? Because there has never been a transgender that has given birth to a baby. And transgender men are not men. They are women. Transgender men giving births to babies, those are women that become men, just proves that they're still women. Just like a transgender man who can never have a baby or a period or uh, uh, menstruation or anything, or not menstruation, but menopause or anything like that, they don't have that because they're not real women. It's insane. So common decency doesn't have anything to do with this. Now, the one thing I'm not going to really argue too much, common practice, because we have begun to accept this as common practice. I'm sorry. We're accepting. I see probably I saw a transgender person today and I didn't look at him twice. I just walked completely away and that was it. It's become common practice. So I don't see that as incorrect. But I see everything else in this whole crazy world. When we start now, remember my opening line, I said it's science until it's a science of oppressive group. Well, here's the problem. Transgender, this is the entire problem, the entire problem with identity politics. With all of this garbage, it is um, in intersectionality. This is the problem with this. Right now, you have two victim groups beating each other. You have transgenderism and you have feminism. Transgender men are competing with women. You would think that is sexist, right? Well, you can't because transgender men are a greater victim group. There are fewer transgender men than there are, or transgender, whatever, transgenders than there are women. And then the transgender men also have a little extra to them in this lawsuit. They're black, which means now you've got two victim status groups, a transgender female, a, tra a black transgender female. Oh, my God. And the women who are fighting this are white. So, yes, they are a lesser. They are a victim group. 
they're a lesser, but they're white, and that brings them up a little bit more. You can't, this is the problem with intersectionality and identity politics, is what happens when two victim group groups go back at it, go back at each other. And that's the whole problem. It's stupid. It's also insane. What are people going to think of us in 100 years when we finally say, uh, no, you can cut off your penis, you're still men. It doesn't make any difference. Yes, you can sew something that looks like a penis on you. You're still a woman. What's going to happen when science is finally accepted? And it's going to happen. And they sit back and realize, oh, my God, what were those people doing 100 years ago? I got a feeling it's going to be the same reaction that people think at 100 years ago where we were killing 30 million babies a year through abortion. And it seemed to be something that was completely normal. So, Major League Baseball, we might be seeing baseball, and that would make my life just absolutely beautiful. There are plans now to open the season, restart the season, and actually it will be open the season because they were only in uh, preseason when they started, um, and the teams can start playing baseball. Now, there are some rules. There are going to be some new rules. Uh, owners are proposing that they hold a truncated 82 games. So instead of 163 games, they're going to hold 82. This look going to look a lot like what happened in the player strike in 1981. For me, as a Dodger fan, that thrills me because that's when the, the Dodgers won the World Series. I would love for the Dodgers to have an 82-game season. I also like... The shorter season, because I think 162 games is way too much. I think we really need, the baseball really does need to lower the number of games in the season. The, the season should not be eight, nine months long. And that includes like a two and a half month playoff. They need to lower these games. Games will be played in team stadiums without fans. Uh, and... Um, the teams will play within their own geographic locations. So what does that mean? It means the Dodgers will play at Dodger Stadium, Arizona will play, San Diego will play, and basically the Dodgers, San Diego, Arizona, um, probably San Francisco, uh, Anaheim, those, te those teams will all play together. So we'll be see 82 games with the same groups of teams. Now I'm assuming it's going to be inter it's going to be interleague, which means the A's, Giants, uh, Angels, Padres, Diamondbacks. Uh, I can't think if there's any anyone else. Colorado, I'm not sure where they'd play because they're another part of the Western Division. They will all play together because they're in the same region. So you'll be seeing the Dodgers play 82 games against five or six other teams. Seattle is the other team, Seattle uh, Seattle Mariners. Uh, I don't think there's a team in Vancouver or anything like that. So they're going to be playing. You're going to be seeing baseball play in the same. I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think that's an okay thing. Because of that, they're going to eliminate the, the prohibition of the designated hitter, which I'm not a big fan of the designated hitter. I personally think it should be uh, the pitcher should have to bat. The designated hitter should be banned. I'm the opposite of thinking, but because most teams, uh, American League teams, are designed around the um, designated hitter and most National League teams will have that advantage, they've decided to make everybody 
a designated hitter. Okay, no big deal. And uh, players will be uh, active instead of 30 active players. There will be 50 active players. 30, and I'm assuming that's going to be because a lot of minor league players are not going to be playing right now, and they need to have those backups for those 30 players in case they're injury. I'm, and that, that really does make sense. So the rosters will be up 50 players, but each team will have only 30 players on a roster during any given game. So you'll have 20 players that are will be practicing with the teams, but they're not actually going to be playing. I think this sounds like a pretty solid plan. But, of course, there's always something that really jacks it up. And one league official said, we lose money every single game without fans. We have to propose that they take something less than they already negotiated, and this is the players. We thought the most persuasive way to make the proposal was to explain Here's what we're going to make in revenue, and we'll split it with you, and here's how it turns into player salaries. Boom! There's your problem. Your problem is you're not playing 162 games. The problem is the players get paid on a game-by-game basis. Not to mention in certain regions, taxes are based on the country they're in. So uh, teams like... The uh, Toronto Blue Jays actually get screwed by losing. They actually lose tax money. So the problem is, and then there's more income that's lost because now you're not have the you don't have fans in the stadium, which means you have no you have no vendors, you have no parking, you have no ticket prices. Playoffs supposedly will be played without fans. So there is a lot lost as far as finances for the owners. And that means there are going to be cuts to the players' salaries. So how did the Players' Union's executive Tony Clark respond? Quote, a system that restricts player uh, pay based on revenues is a salary cap, period. This is not the first salary cap proposal our union has received. It probably won't last. None of this is beneficial to the process of finding a way for us to safely get back to the field and resume the 2020 season, which continues to be our sole focus. This is a hypocritical comment because if your sole focus is to get back and playing, then you must understand that you're playing a a contracted season, you're playing without fans, and you're only playing a subset of teams. And the owners are not making any money. There's no income coming in. So if playing is your main focus, then you should be able to accept that uh, Clayton Kershaw can't get paid uh, $40 million this year. Or Tim Salmon can't get paid $35 million this season. That he's going to have to take a cut. Maybe he gets it back later. Who knows? But apparently the Players Union, and this is what's holding this whole thing up. And I just find it amazing with all this crap that's happening in the world that these millionaires that are out on those field, on that field just want their cut. Because here's the thing. What is going to help? What is going to help the country? Baseball opening up. Us becoming normal again or some resemblance of normality. 
and yet money keeps getting in the freaking way. And what's insulting is money's getting in the way from a bunch of people that have got more money than they know what to do with. It's disgusting. I said this a while back. I, we were talking about this when the UFC, the NFL, and a lot of the other sports were trying to figure out how to open up. The first sport, the first league that opens up is going to make a mint. See, what baseball is forgetting is if they're, they may play in stadiums that are empty, but they're going to be on TV and people are going to watch and ad revenues are going to go up because there is nothing else on TV. People are tired of watching reruns of football. I'm watching reruns of football from the last couple of seasons because I've got them, um, I've got them DVR'd. That's how bad it is. We are looking for something. And baseball could sneak in before the UFC, which is coming up with a fight. I believe it's at the end of July or mid-July. They can get in front of the NBA, which doesn't seem to have any plan to open up yet. The NHL, which doesn't seem to have any plan to open up. And the NFL, which is definitely planning to open up and have a full season. MLB could save themselves. They just refuse to do it. So good for them. We'll see how that works out. This last story was so nasty. It's coming from Vox.com, and it's just, it's a disgusting story. So President Trump was uh, doing, in his, doing his daily coronavirus update, and he got into it with some gal in the audience. And I'll give you an overview. You can listen to it. If you dumbass is talking politics, you could actually watch it. CNN does have the best video. I know Grabian released one. A lot of people like Grabian, but CNN's is the best. So this is according to Vox. I'm actually going to read this uh, article. It's a very short section. I didn't take the whole article because it really is disgusting. And it shows you some things. So according to Vox, quote, after Trump prematurely declared victory over the coronavirus, lied about U.S. testing capacity, and misled people about how America's response stacks up to other countries in the world, Monday's news conference ended with a bang. His meltdown began... Okay, first off, we are going to break this up a little bit. It'll speed things up. First off, he never declared victory over the coronavirus. He just said we're in real... He did say we have lived up to what we needed to do. We have lived up to a victory of what was happening with the coronavirus. So that's not true. He didn't declare victory on the coronavirus. He declared that the U.S. government met the coronavirus. He never lied about the U.S. testing capacity. We have a higher testing capacity than every any country in the world, bar none. That's why we have the most cases that have been diagnosed. He never misled the people about how America stacks up with other countries in the world. Who's misleading you about that is the news media. The news media is misleading you. If you look, and I think I brought this up in yesterday's podcast, if you look at the statistics, the United States is number nine on deaths from coronavirus per one million people. So he's not lying about this. Our response has been very good compared to other countries. And by the way, the reason he's talking, comparing us with other countries, because that's going to come up, is because 
the media keeps comparing us to other countries. We're worse than Italy. We're worse than England. We're worse. No, we're not. Not even close. Spain is number one. Italy is number two. Germany's number three. England's number four. We're all the way in nine. And I may have gotten the order wrong, but not in the first couple. I continue. Second paragraph. His meltdown began when Wei Ji Zhang of CBS asked him to explain why he seems fixated on competing with other countries while 2,000 or so Americans continue to lose their lives each day. That's not true. Uh, from the coronavirus. Trump fired back telling her to ask China. He says, quote, Don't ask me. Ask China that question, Trump said. Zhang, who is Asian-American, and by the way, here's another thing. Zhang was wearing a mask. So President Trump, who's not the youngest buck, and she's sitting in the back wearing a mask, speaks perfect English, no accent or anything. How's President Trump know she's Asian? Just remember that. Zhang, who is Asian-American and previously said that White House official referred to the coronavirus as the Kung Flu to her face, Okay, another problem with that. I just, I'm showing you how nasty this article is. This article is infuriating. It is nasty. It is biased. It is wrong. She was questioned about that Kung Flu thing. They have yet to identify who said it in the White House. President Trump was even questioned by another reporter. He said, who said that? Well, I don't know. Well, then what are you asking me for? If you don't know, how am I going to know? Because I never heard it. This is a lie. This is BS. Okay, so continue. The Kung Flu, uh, who referred to it as the Kung Flu to her face, followed up by asking Trump, Sir, why are you saying that to me specifically? Here's the kicker. She didn't come up to that right off the bat. Okay. It was literally about 15 seconds before she came up. Because you know why? She just realized she's Chinese-American. And, oh, you can use this as a racist thing. And you're going to hear you're going to hear the audio. You're going to hear it. And you can see the video. So, right off the bat, this gal, she takes off her mask to tell him this. And he doesn't care. He's done with her already. And, by the way, the last I checked... Wasn't Trump talking about this being the Chinese virus from day one? They were calling him a racist back then. Now she's basically asking. This was a nasty question. This is like, have you stopped beating your wife? It's that kind of question. It's a double-edged sword. It's a nasty-ass question. So, so okay. Kung Fu, blah, blah, blah. Sir, why are you targeting me specifically? Why are you saying this to me specifically? Well, you asked, the second thing is, well, you did ask the question and he responded to your question. Whether he knew she was Chinese American or not is irrelevant. You asked the question, he responded to the question. I'm telling you, Trump said, I'm not saying it to you specifically or to anybody. And by the way, he says this to everybody. Why don't you ask China? I can't tell you how many times. I'm saying it to anybody who would ask a nasty question like this. Good for him. So, continuing on with the Vox article. Trump followed that seconds later by throwing a temper tantrum when Caitlin Collins of CNN tried to ask him a question, then storm, stormed away. In sum, this is still the Vox article, 
Okay, none of that happened. We'll get to what actually happened. In sum, Trump's performance features featured a baseless conspiracy about America's first black president. This is the Michael Flynn thing, which, by the way, it's not a baseless conspiracy. It's already been pretty much proven. So that, you know, we based... We listened to a baseless conspiracy about Russia for two years. We listened to a baseless conspiracy, well, two and a half years with Russia. We listened to a baseless conspiracy about Ukraine for nine months while the virus was pumping around. And now there is a theory that's, it's not a theory. There is evidence that shows that Barack Obama might have had something to do with this Flynn thing. And the DO, Obama's DOJ might have had something to do with it. The FBI definitely had something to do with it. And possibly the CIA, all under Obama, had something to do with it. But meanwhile, we're talking baseless? It's not baseless. Incendiary, uh, quote, incendiary comments towards an Asian American journalist, which he may or may not have known was Asian, but who cares? She asked the question. I don't even care if she was. I don't care if she was standing next to him. I won't say that because that could be considered racist, but I won't, I don't care if she's standing next to him. The fact is she asked the question. He answered the question. You didn't like the answer. And then the press conference, uh, then a press conference ending fit. I tell you what, you listen to see if this was a press conference ending fit. This shtick, quote, this shtick may have served him well at times, but in context of the pandemic, One can see why his advisors reportedly concluded weeks ago that these press conferences were doing him no favors. I'd like to know who said that. These press conferences are making him look better. Sometimes Trump says something bad. Sometimes Trump says something good. These press conferences are bringing calm to the country. And most of the country, 70%, think Trump is doing a pretty good job. So now, you heard that miserable piece of crap article. Now, let me play the actual confrontation. Because I think when you listen to it, and then when I break it down, it'll make a lot more sense. Uh, yeah, go ahead, please. You said many times that the U.S. is doing far better than any other country when it comes to testing. Yes, why does that matter? Why is this a global competition to you if everyday Americans are still losing their lives and we're still seeing more cases every day? Well, they're losing their lives everywhere in the world. And maybe that's a question you should ask China. Don't ask me. Ask China that question, okay? When you ask them that question, you may get a very unusual answer. Yes, behind you, please. Sir, why are you saying that to me specifically? I'm telling you, I'm not saying it specifically to anybody. I'm saying it to anybody that would ask a nasty question like that. That's not a nasty question. Please go ahead. Why does it matter? Okay, uh, anybody else? Please go ahead in the back, please. I have two questions. No, it's okay. But you pointed to me. I have two questions, Mr. President. Next, next, please. But you you called on me. I did, and you didn't respond, and now I'm calling on... Sorry, I just want the to young let, lady in the back, please. I just wanted to let my colleague okay. finish. But can I ask you Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Appreciate but it. You thank you very much. So let's go over this video, because if you saw it, you'd say, oh, what? It gets confusing in audio. And actually, it gets confusing if you watch the 
uh, Grabian version of it. Watch the CNN version of it because CNN thinks they are so high on the hog that <laughs> everything is right. Okay, so here's what happened. Wei Jingjiang asked a nasty question, probably because Trump was right about the U.S. response and wanted to throw him off. His answer was appropriate. The U.S. didn't start this, and it wasn't Trump's fault that the virus is here and that the United States had to be flexible and figure it out. It's the Chinese virus that killed Americans, not Trump's response. Next, it takes Jing. She asks her stupid question. She doesn't know how to respond to it, and it takes her five seconds to come up with the race thing. Probably because she forgot that she was a Chinese-American or a transplant or whatever. And she starts giving him crap. Trump ignores her and calls Caitlin Collins of CNN, who is standing behind Xi Zheng. Collins doesn't say anything and lets Zheng chirp away. And I mean chirp away. She's yelling, yelling, and Trump is pointing to Collins and pointing to Collins. Trump calls, Trump realizes that Collins is going to let Zheng chirp. She doesn't respond at all. And so Trump sits back and calls another reporter on the other side of the dais. Collins begins chirping, saying she had two questions and he just passed completely over. Probably because she's a woman. I don't know. Trump rightly says that she had the chance to ask a question. She was busy letting Zhang sit sit there and whine and cry. And she didn't respond. And he continued to point to another reporter. She lost her chance. But Collins keeps bitching. Trump finally sits there, and you can see, he just looks, he doesn't shake his head, he doesn't roll his eyes, he just says, thank you twice, have a good day, and walks away. So what am I saying here? Trump didn't throw any type of fit. He just got tired of getting yelled at and walked away. As he should at every press conference. The second the news media gets nasty, gets testy, begins to lecture him, he should just walk away. He's there for them. He's there for the United States. Zhang's question had nothing to do with what the United States needs to know about. What we need to know about is when the country is going to be reopening, what are the chances people are going to die if we reopen the country, what is he going to do about it, that kind of crap. has nothing to do with this. Here's the thing with Trump. First off, stop the press conferences. Show up there, make your statement, walk away, let the doctors, let Pence, let everyone else handle it, and walk away. Because they're going to piss on him every time they get the chance. Nice guys finish last, and there's nothing he can do to tell these people he's a nice guy. He could cure cancer and solve world hunger on the same freaking day and they would still accuse him of something. As a matter of fact, they wouldn't just accuse him of something. They would say cancer and hunger are great things for the black community and somehow it's racist. I don't know. I'm just I'm spitballing here, but I'm sure they'll come up with something. But 
what gets me is the nastiness of the article. That's why I read that article. And I only read a, a, like three or four paragraphs of that article. It's just nasty. These people, the left is nasty. They're ugly. They're hateful. And this is going to get worse. Because tomorrow, hopefully tomorrow, we start talking about the Obama thing that's happening right now. And I waited. I didn't bring this up today because there's really not a lot of news about it. But there's some ugliness coming up with this Obamagate, which is what Trump called it. And uh, this whole Flynn thing. Things are being released. It's going to get really freaking ugly. And the left is really butthurt about it. And you got to better believe they're going to double up on him. And that's a great thing for Trump and his re-election. Especially since Biden is a dead corpse walking. Okay, you can follow me at Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can listen to or download this podcast on Pod, on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube. Though YouTube seems to be getting kind of funky. I'm having a harder time finding my podcast, but that's okay. Uh, you can uh, actually go to my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com and look at all of the links, look at all of the videos, review all of the... Um, Oh, well, actually, review all the links. Take a look at some of my show notes. They're pretty good. And now, I, I'm got a little Richard Fever because he died, and I've got to commemorate this great American hero. And I got a feeling I'm going to be doing a little bit more on this blues circuit because little Richard is just a, lord, a god when it comes to music. And I don't mean I mean God in lowercase, lowercase g. This song is from 1956. It's a live cut, okay, you want and it's you Tutti Frutti it. by Little the Richard. You've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Have a great night. What you do to me, do the food.